a very good evening to you. And here we are again on a Friday night, 9 o'clock. It is time on Mike's Radio, of course, for Sweet and Swing with myself, H. What have we got? How about Denny Dennis? I sing you a thousand love songs. I don't, but he does. The Hammond organist entertains Robin Richmond. More from the world's greatest jazz band. I can hear you all say... Goody, goody. Sid Phillips and his band featuring there the voice of Roy Chappell giving us those goody goody lyrics um, Sid Phillips well Simon or Isidore Simon Phillips Isidore Simon Sid Phillips grew up in the east end of course with his uh, three brothers and four sisters that's a fair old family it has to be said 
And uh, I think we've mentioned it before, while still at school, he and elder brothers Harry on trumpet and Ralph on the banjo, all self-taught musicians, used to practice at the end of their garden, presumably in a shed, because their mother chased them out of the house because they made all that noise. They did all right out of it in the end, it has to be said. Sid went on to compose lots of titles, including clarinet cadenza, of course, which became his signature tune. But it was his recording of David Comer's hors d'oeuvres that became the first post-war 78 RPM. Remember the 78? Shellac, maybe? Went like the clappers round on the turntable. It's amazing when you see it go. If you're used to the still very much in vogue LP long player at 33 and a third, then, of course, when you put a 78 on, you think it's going to take off because it's going twice as quickly. And we have got a 78 player knocking round, actually, at the uh, rapidly emptying Music Man Towers, which I think Brother Chris is taking at some stage. But my word, a modern 78, you would think it is going to take off at some stage. Wonderful stuff. Sid always very uh, fond of the piano as well, and enjoyed playing Kitten on the Keys as a bit of a sort of feature feature number, I suppose you'd call it, during some of his concerts. Not an easy thing to play, Kitten on the Keys, as the old maestro used to say. Good way to get going in any case. In any case, hope you are all well and uh, surviving as we chunter along, heading towards spring, albeit slowly. Could be my imagination, but I always think time seems to slow down a bit in January and February. Flies away through December fairly rapidly. You know, you're starting one moment, it's the beginning of December. You're just thinking, oh yes, heading towards Christmas. Next moment, it's Christmas Eve. Next moment, it's New Year's Eve. Next moment, you're into January. And then January and February seem to take the rest of the year. Very odd, the way it plays tricks with your mind and does anyone else get that thing over Christmas as well where a sort of a week or so it seems to stretch out to be years I th- you think back you know just in the early part of January and you think Christmas was only a week or two back and yet it feels like it was about six months previously very strange indeed and it always happens to me it happened to me when I was a kid and n years on where n is a number bigger than 50 it still happens I lose all sense of time and I can look at the calendar and see maybe it's only two weeks between Christmas Eve and coming into the early part of January. And yet, it feels, if I didn't know the calendar was telling the truth, that it might be two months or more. Very strange. Very strange. Is it just me? Let me know. Howard Kane at manxradio.com. And that is, of course, Kane with an E. Well, I'm going to go from there. Uh, what about a little bit of uh, Harry Hayes? And his band. Something like that would be rather nice, wouldn't it? Or should we have... No, let's have Harry Gold. There's too many Harrys here. Well, have Harry Gold rather than Harry Hayes. We had Harry Hayes the other week. Harry Gold and his pieces of eight. Yes, that's a good choice. Sentimental journey. Take it away, boys.
All the Harrys, well, in that case, just Harry Gold and his pieces of eight. Sentimental journey, of course. Very sentimental for me, that, because uh, I think I've mentioned before, I usually have at some stage, but hopefully you forget, uh, just the same way that I do, that, yeah, I did meet Harry Gold, and I have a very good memory of going to a lunchtime session somewhere in London with the old maestro at a relatively tender age, early teens maybe, something like that, didn't really appreciate the music, but Dad was very keen to go and see Harry Gold and his pieces of eight playing in a pub this lunchtime, and uh, I was bribed with the... uh, with the promise of a free lunch, I think it was. A free lunch and, uh, you know, all the pop I could drink, or words to that effect. Something along those lines. And we had the music as well, which, yeah, I remember um, not being particularly into it. But the old maestro really enjoyed it and had a chat afterwards. And Harry Gold must have been well into his 70s then, I thought, 60s, 70s. Older than me, older than I am now. But yes, and I can't remember where the pub was. Other than the fact it was definitely a Sunday lunchtime gig, I remember that, and it was definitely in London, not on the Isle of Man. After that, things get a bit hazy, and that was without drinking. Good stuff, though. Great sound, and he did go on to a ripe old age, it has to be said. Denny Dennis, we haven't had Denny for a while. Nice collection of music on this one. I sing you a thousand love songs. We're not going to have a thousand love songs, otherwise that might take several weeks. What we will have is The Pretty Little Quaker Girl. But the neighborhood was in a whirl when 
they gathered for the Quaker wedding of the pretty little Quaker transcription from the vinyl or possibly yes even shellac who knows pretty little quaker girl denny dennis another man who walked away walked away from the scene later on after years and years working as a professional musician and uh, it's quizzed actually in the line of notes to this yes it starts whatever did happen to denny dennis a question frequently on the lips of aficionados of the golden age of british dance music since denny opted out of the entertainment business in the late 1960s. I don't know what happened to him. I don't think he'll be around anymore these days, but he started life in Derby as Ronald Dennis Pounton. And there was talk, and I don't know whether it happened, of putting a blue plaque there to mark the fact that he was uh, born there, as he was such a popular singer in his heyday. As a teenager, he worked in a solicitor's office, then an apprentice electrician. It's a bit of a swap, isn't it? On the LMS Railway but spent his evenings doing the sound effects of silent films in local cinema. <laughs> now, that would be a good job, doing the sound effects for silent movies, sitting there with the coconuts and, oh yeah, I can do that, the, the thunder machine, the wind machine, all wonderful stuff. And his brother Claude, uh, Eric, later to make his own name as a violinist with Barry Gray, and Barry Gray, I think, went on to do Thunderbirds, am I right with that? Was also employed there. Claude, his brother, also played bass and drums with Derby's new Mayfair Dance Orchestra. And when he left, Denny replaced him on drums and also, just as an added bonus, musical saw. Don't hear those very often, do you, these days? A Melody Maker band contest. His singing so impressed the editor of the Melody Maker that uh, he arranged an audition for Denny with Roy Fox, the band leader, very much liked Dennis Pounton, as he was then, not Denny Dennis, but sent him away to gain experience. And then 12 months later, Fox took him on and immediately introduced him to the nation on one of his weekly broadcasts. And the rest, as they say, is history, more or less. Had a great, uh, a great career. Signed a five-year contract with uh, Ray Fox. He worked uh, for well, who's who, really, in many ways. In Over the years, one way or another, the second war broke out. He found his options, though, and his income rather reduced and moved to Bristol as part of the BBC's light entertainment unit. Sang with Ambrose, of course, oh, all over the place. Dorsey used to like him. Tommy Dorsey used to rave about Denny Dennis, predicting him a career to match Sinatra's. But he didn't, uh, realistically. He basically gave up uh, singing in the 60s. He recorded for a while, he toured a little bit, uh, but the last time he sang was in 1982, which is actually pretty recently, and he got a standing ovation at the BBC's Festival of Light Music. Great sound, though, and very proud of himself that his diction was always very good, which is not something he can necessarily say of all modern popular music, I dare say. Some maybe, but an awful lot. You can't make out a word they're saying, realistically, can you? Here's one that was in the bag for last week and didn't quite make it. Jack Duval, jazz 
aux Champs-Élysées. Why not? And in a mellow tone, at a cracker. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah, great one. In a mellow tone with Jack Dieval and the jazz au Champs-Élysées, which, if you are of a continental bent, you might remember was actually a radio programme, Jazz au Champs-Élysées, can boast a place in the record books to the 22-year existence on French airways, or Radio Fusion Francais, as it was known in the early days, and uh, was handsomely eclectic, as it's uh, noted. Featured a wide variety of musicians, and Jean-Luc Ponty, you might know him, still going today, a sort of modernist on the jazz violin, and using electronics and such like amplification. Well, Jean-Luc made his first appearance on the show, and Eric Dolphy, the wonderful uh, bass clarinetist and sax player and such like, made his last appearance ever on the radio on that programme, Jazz au Champs-Élysées. And who was on the keyboards? Well, the man you've just heard there, the man behind the concept, the show's presenter, Jack Duval. And a wonderful picture of him uh, on this collection. In the front there, he's got a... He looks actually very German-esque, a sort of tweed jacket and a shirt and tie, and a beard, or else a goatee-type beard, I suppose you'd say, glasses, swept-back hair, and he's holding in his mouth and mouth and in his hands the biggest Meerschaum pipe I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know that anyone could smoke it. It would hold about two pounds of tobacco. I think you'd be dead before you actually finished smoking the pipe. But he's grinning away. It's not going by the looks of it. Very wise, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Eclectic, that's probably the right word for that one. As indeed was Gracie Fields. For years we had an aspidestra in a flower pot on the whatnot near the axe stand in the hall. It didn't seem to grow till one day our brother Joe had a notion that he'd make it strong and tall. So he's crossed it with an acorn from an oak tree And he's planted it against the garden wall It shot up like a rocket till it nearly touched the sky It's the biggest aspidester in the world We couldn't see the top of it, it got so blooming high It's the biggest aspidester in the world when father's had a skin full at his pubs, a bunch of grapes, he doesn't go all fighting mad and getting into scrapes. You'll find him in his bare skin playing Tarzan of the Apes, up the biggest aspidestrian in the world. We have to get it watered by the local fire brigade, so they've put the water rates up half a crown. The roots stop up the drains, grow along the country lanes, and they come up half a mile outside the town. Once we hired the Crystal Palace for a not house, but a jealous rival went and burnt it down. The tomcats and the moggies love to spend their evenings out up the biggest aspidestrian in the world. They all begin meowing when the buds begin to sprout up the biggest aspidester in the world. The dogs line up for miles and miles, a funny sight to see. They sniff around for hours on end and wag their tails with glee. So I've had to put a notice up to say it's not a tree. It's the biggest aspidester in the world. 
getting worn and weary and its leaves are turning gray. It's the oldest dust, the dust in the world. So we water it with half a pint of Guinness every day. It's the stoutest dust, the dust in the world. The borough council told us that we've got to chop it down. It interferes with aeroplanes that fly above the town. So we sold it to a woodyard for a lousy half a crown. It's the biggest astronaut in the world. The biggest, biggest, biggest astronaut in the world. Listen to that acetate. 
Marvellous sound. Ben Pollock there with Wang Wang Blues from the 1920s. Trying to see if there's an exact date on that one, and there might be possibly some along the lines, but it's not obvious when I look at it. In any case, suffice to say, it was definitely Ben Pollock and his Californians, with I think actually uh, Bud Freeman on uh, sax there as well, by the looks of it, which is rather fine. I used to know Bud. Uh, somewhat, which I can happily say. And uh, before that, the biggest Aspidistra in the world, of course, with R. Gracie. Um, th- was it the biggest uh, biggest hit? I don't know. One of her better known hits, it has to be said. Utterly bonkers, but utterly wonderful in the way. Uh, and I love the way she has that pause. The, the biggest Aspidistra. There's always that pregnant pause before, isn't there? You think she's not going to get the word out. She always does, of course. And I like the ending as well, where it tails off. Ah, yes, biggest Aspidistra. <laughs> Terrific stuff. Tis Sweet and Swing, H with you through until the top of the hour with the usual selection of classic, nostalgic, swingy, sweet, all the stuff from long ago, far away, which, frankly, you won't hear many other places. Certainly not much of it elsewhere here on Max Radio, with the possible honourable exception of some of my colleagues in the specialist musics, particularly Mr Morris Powell, of course, and possibly on brass front, some of these tunes given a brass outing with Ian Cottier on the Monday evening. Don't think they're going to feature an opera hour that much. Um, maybe, maybe in folk here and there, but probably not. But check them all out. They're all great programmes, one way or another. Thrive throughout the week, Monday to Saturday, always something interesting. Brass on a Monday. On Tuesday, of course, there's a bit of folk with John Barker. Wednesday, it's opera with Ernie. Thursday, Morris Pals with a little live music. Uh, here we are today with Sweet and Swing. And, of course... Tomorrow with Brother Chris jumping in, the best in modern and contemporary jazz. And don't be scared off by it. There's some really some good stuff there along the way. Here's a man who uh, I did see on the Isle of Man, I think at the Palace many years ago. He also used to have a huge drum kit and his uh, party piece he would finish off. He'd have a gong sort of set up on the other side of the stage to where he was. And at the end of the gig, he would throw a mallet across the stage and hit the gong. And he always claimed he never missed it. Don't think he actually does it on this collection. Eric Delaney, the big beat. Eric with his band and uh, a collection of songs here. Starting off with Oklahoma.
very lively, bright sound the band had and he had and captured on that uh, CD there as well. Picture of Eric on the front, surrounded by, well, actually, it's a curious sort of a setup in that he's, I think, pretty much the sort of kit he had. You can't actually see any bass drums. He's just sitting behind a pile of one big snare and one, two, three, four, five, six floor toms, a couple of cymbals and then a timpani, all of which you would use. Um, great character, great showman, going back to that sort of time of showman big bands and possibly one of the last really sort of still doing that sort of a style in many ways. And like I said, no stranger to the Isle of Man certainly came here on, well, I know one, but I think several occasions, if memory serves correct. If you saw him again, get in contact. Howard Kane at maxradio.com. Let me know. And that's Kane with an E, by the way. C-A-I-N-E. Yeah, let me know what was going on, whether you saw him, whether you were a fan. Yeah, you'd like to hear more. Did you ever see him throw his mallet to hit the gong? Did he ever miss? Mm, not that he claimed. What did you recognise there? Oklahoma. That's what they started off with. Then people will say we're in love. And then, yep, da ba da da ba da da ba da ba Yeah, you've got it. Sorry with the fringe on top. Yeah, you recognised them, didn't you? Of course you did. Of course you did. Right, if you want to put your slippers on, good for a quick wee, do anything else. A longer track coming up, so you've got a chance to do that. And it'll still be going when you come back down again, I promise. Unless you've gone for an awfully long time, of course. Benny Carter from uh, our friends at Avid, some classic albums. Here he is on a track called Lula.
Thank mm-hmm. you.
Yeah, is what you want to say at the end of that, isn't it? Swings along very nicely indeed under its own steam, and not surprisingly when you look at the lineup. Benny Carter on alto sax, Ben Webster on tenor, Shorty Sherrick on trumpet, Barney Bigard clarinet, Jimmy Riles piano, Dave Barber guitar, Leroy Vinegar bass, and the great Mel Lewis at the drums. Lula by Benny Carter. Not at all bad. Oh, I hope you enjoyed the stretching out for that one, and you're suitably relieved or uh, filled your glass again, or whatever the case may be. A longer track gives you a chance to do that, and it'll still be playing. That's the way I look at it, so you haven't missed anything too much in any case. I suppose it's Marmite, the Hammond organ, with Robin Richmond, great-looking character in his white suit on the front cover of the CD. And it's full-on Hammond organ entertaining, and uh, I agree, it is Marmite. People either tend to love it or not, as the case may be. But here we go, that's what it is in any case. A short med- medley, Dreaming and Vols Bleu. <laughs> Thank you. 
There you go. Take it or leave it, as they say. Robin Richmond at the Hammond Organist. The organ entertains with a medley of dreaming and vence bleu. And it was uh, back in the 1930s when he began to play the cinema organ, old Robin, in and around the London area, beginning as a relief organist. Some of the greatest names that ever graced the organ consoles rose, of course, majestically out of the darkened pit areas. Not that many of them left anymore. Must have been quite a sight, wasn't it, seeing them rise up. I think they still do it in Blackpool, doesn't it, where they come from the pit and rise up into the air with the organist in full chat playing them. And despite having designed a unique theatre organ, one which could play in any number of the variety theatres which are alongside the radio, the staple diet of family entertainment in those days, his contract was with the Christie's Organ Company, was cancelled when a more viable instrument in terms of transportation arrived on the scene, which of course in 1934 was the first Hammond electric organ, the Model A, being taken to the United States Patent Office in Washington, D.C., in 1934. And it was the Hammond Organ all the way after that. Hammond Organ Company celebrated their 50th in 1984 after more than a million models had been sold. Don't know how many of them still exist. Good sound it made though, wasn't it? Good sound. We'll have a little bit of Betty Roberts and Ambrose. Oh, but I do, I do.
There we go. Betty Roberts and Ambrose singing that. And Betty Roberts, uh, again, you probably don't know a huge amount about her. And I confess, I don't really know a massive amount about her. And when that is the case, what I normally do is turn to the Book of Words, England's second book of British dance bands, singers and smaller bands. And they usually enlighten me somewhat. But in this case, it is merely one line about Betty Roberts. It simply says, recorded with Joe Lost during the war. That's it. That's all it's got. Short and sweet. Well, she also recorded, I can add to that, with Ambrose, because there she was singing, Oh, but I do. <laughs> I'm also rather aware we didn't have time for the world's greatest jazz band. Yes, you can blame me, I must admit. Uh, we will pick up with our story with the world's greatest jazz band next week. Yeah, it's one of those days, isn't it, one way or another. It will pick up next week in any case bit different, and we'll find out what they've got up to. Did they ever make money? Well, I think the answer is no, they didn't. But most jazz bands don't. That's more or less it. Look after yourselves, whatever you're doing. As we career towards spring, eventually. Don't hold your breath just yet. Anyway, stay warm, stay dry, stay safe, stay healthy. And I'll see you then. Cheerio. Cheerio.